Hello and welcome to Ruben Sinclair's very first episode of Getting to Know, hashtag RSGTK. Um, thank you for joining me, Rohan Shah, co-founder of Ruben Sinclair, and also my wonderful colleague, Alexandra Lewington, head of PR and communications recruitment. And today we are getting to know Don't Cry Wolf, recently awarded winner of PR Week's Best Places to Work small agency category. Um, absolutely delighted to have with us today the founder and CEO of Don't Cry Wolf, but also a dear friend of mine, John Brown. John, welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. That's okay. Firstly, congrats on the award. I saw your emotional overflow pouring out on LinkedIn the other day. You're obviously very chuffed. I was very chuffed, mate. Yeah, that is the, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the award that I think every, every kind of business owner wants to win. It's the one that, you know, of course, you want to win awards for your work and stuff like that. But when you get one that is for having the best kind of environment to work in, you know you're, you're, you're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. Did it did it come as a surprise when you when you won that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it came as a surprise when we were shortlisted, but um, you know, we we were surrounded by outstanding company, um, CC Group in particular. You know what what they what they're doing over there, fantastic stuff. So yeah, we were dead chuffed when we uh, when we won, and uh, yeah, absolutely delighted, but definitely shocked. Fantastic. Well, look, thoroughly deserved. Uh, certainly from what I know about your business. And how are you, mate, in these weird times? I'm all right, mate. I think you've got to put these things into perspective. You know, we're all kind of, you know, family's healthy, staff are all healthy. Um, you know, we're, we're cracking through things. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have, like, a garden and things like that. So, like, we're doing an awful lot better than a lot of other poor people out there who are, who are really struggling with this. So... Yeah, given the circumstances, there is absolutely no reason to grumble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, good outlook on that. So look, as this is getting to know about DCW, as the creator of it, let's start with you. Um, so what what got you into PR in the first place? Uh, so I started off wanting to be a journalist. And then, and I, and I loved it, actually. I really enjoyed it. I worked for a local paper for a while um the uh the bournemouth echo or dorset echo i can't remember which one it was now probably a bournemouth echo and impact yeah it was uh, <laughs> it was su it was super local um and i really loved it like i really enjoyed the kind of the writing element of course but like getting to sniff out a story every now and then and and, and all that jazz I, I really enjoyed problem was is that you know this was at the time when journalism was being really decimated so you know, I couldn't really afford to take it up full time. Um, there was no real kind of opportunity to have like formal training paid for and things like that. So uh, decided to do some work experience in PR at an agency called Cow, which still is still going. Um, and really enjoyed it. And like, it was a good balance between like creative and little bit of sales in there, which I quite liked as well. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of thought actually this might be this might be for me. So I, I ended up sort of having a having a go at like sticking a CV out there once I graduated. And um, first agency to pick me up was an agency called Buffalo, and that's and it was a very small 
B2B boutique agency based in the most tremendous little space in Wardour Street in Soho. And I had a fucking time of my life. Yeah, what? yeah a couple of years there. When you were there, because I think, you know, ultimately it's the first couple of years are kind of make or break for a lot of people in terms of whether you're staying in the industry or going to be moving out of the industry. What would you say the first couple of years, what happened that kept you within it? Um, I think I was perhaps on the kind of the tail end of the, the sort of the, 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 exci- the bubbly excitement of, of PR so like the tail end of the old school PR and the start of the new dawn of social media PR it's all you know the PR in a world of like hyper connectivity mm. um so it was a tremendous kind of learning curve for me um you kind of still had that quite high octane uh you know pressing the flesh style PR which I really enjoyed whilst also learning um this whole new world where everyone was going to be you know, connected in the most extraordinary way and people could just be incredible content creators with just the, the, the phone in their hands. So it was really, really addictive. Like it was an, an incredibly kind of fast paced, highly rewarding environment to get into. And I think that's, that's kind of what I need. I'm one of those guys that thrive off of like a constant sense of like rapid rewards. Yeah. Something, it's like both the, both a positive and negative, which I have to deal with. So, yeah, PR kind of gave that great blend between, you know, seeing the overarching campaign rollout versus actually, you know, getting a piece of coverage in, in a in, in a national is is instantly gratifying. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that instant gratification. Um, and so we're going to fast forward a bit now, but just before you started your own agency, yeah, what were you That's doing? A hell of a fast forward. <laughs> <Bloody hell. laughs> I'm not interested in the rest. So I've started, so I've graduated, really and now. What a fast forward. Now, the rest of your life was seemingly boring. So now go to, go to when I started an agency. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, in that time, by the way, just so, just so that we can clarify how much of a fast forward that was. In that time, I had several agency jobs, you know, worked into being a director, had a wife, two kids. But we'll fast forward all of that, Rohan. Right? Don't worry no, about it. <laughs> <laughs> You've only had your agency for a short period of time and achieved some great things. But... Yeah, just before you set up your agency, where where what were you doing? I was uh, I was at Hotwire. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of looking after creative and strategy um, in. Uh, I had I had a bit of a global role, which was delightful. Loved it. Um, learned an incredible amount from everyone that was at that uh, agency. Um, and uh, yeah, had, 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 had this really exciting role where I was kind of able to work into a bunch of international teams and develop, you know, either creative campaigns or overarching strategies for, for clients, new business, things yeah. such as that. Yeah. Fantastic. And so <clears throat> what inspired you to start up Don't Cry Wolf? I, I mean, I always had, I always had the intention to uh, one day just go it alone. Yeah, I think. Um, I guess there was a few kind of pivotal things, really. I'd, I'd got quite um, into this idea that businesses should exist for far more than just making money. They should exist to have a positive impact in society itself. And that actually one of the things that um, the economy should be doing is 
working towards improving the life of everyone and the planet. Um, and I wanted to see whether I could create an organization that would be able to do that in the PR space where there are, there are definitely players in there. Greenhouse is one of, it was again, shortlisted um, for the, uh, for the best place to work um, award. You know, they're, they're one of the, the leaders in this kind of idea of sort of ethical um, purpose driven PR consultancy. And I wanted to see whether I could create something that had that, but then also build up something that, build up an agency or a business that was um that kind of ha took this approach of total brutal honesty in a industry that is not and perhaps wrongly especially today you know but you know wrongly associated with being dishonest you know i, I really wanted the kind of become this beacon of just total transparency so you know warts and all transparency um, yeah, and to see whether that would see whether that would work. Uh, but and so I guess the, the the tail end of Hotwire was only really that when I'd started to kind of form the USP, if you like, of the business. Um, well, that's a really wanky word, but like you know the the, the kind of the, the essence, the soul of the organisation. Before then, it was like yeah, one day I'll set up a PR agency. But what I didn't want to do was just go and set up another cookie cutter PR consultancy that just did PR. Yeah, yeah, I think if if I'm being brutally honest, that's not a hard thing to set up. Mm. Like, really, genuinely, if you're if you're if you're fairly good at PR, <clears throat> um, you know the business model is pretty simple. You charge out a billable rate, and you do PR work for clients that you can try and get hold of. Um, it's quite a, it's a fairly simple business to set up. So I wanted to sort of have something that was a little bit more than that. A lot, a lot of the people that I've spoken to when they set up their businesses, including myself, is because of frustrations that they face themselves throughout their career in the businesses they've worked for. Yeah. Were you suffering from these frustrations from the businesses that you had specifically worked for? Um, you know, from I, the lack of ethical purpose-driven PR through to the bullshit that you talk about? Um, I don't, I mean, I was, I was fortunate enough to work at some pretty sort of, you know, honest, quite cutting edge agencies. Uh, so I wouldn't say that they were kind of, they were the, they were the problem. I'd say they, they were, you know, they, they obviously didn't want to go as far as I wanted to go and nor should, should they, they were, they were coming from a legacy and I was, you know, I, I didn't have anything to lose. Um, I think I got tired with a lot of the general industry as yeah. a whole. I think, you know, I got tired with, um, I got frustrated with the sort of the whining that took place in the industry. I got very frustrated with this constant uh, discussion as to what PR stands for. I couldn't give a fuck what it stands for. Um, and that seemed to be all any, anyone wanted to discuss, especially trade, some of the trade associations. Well, there's only two, isn't there? But, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> uh, it was all this constant navel gazing as to oh, what should we stand for and what should our well be in the future and, and actually there was no real sense of kind of direction as to actually you know do some good work try and achieve some good things see whether you can help out society and people will judge for themselves what what you actually do and what you stand for yeah uh, so i think it was born out of more frustration around the industry than it was around specific agencies that i worked with i did think you know th there were certain things that i wanted to definitely strip away with like you know we we operate a very very lean efficient um 
uh, organization that utilizes, I think, some of the best sort of technology out there to create really good systems and processes to allow people to do their work efficiently. Basically, that means you can get through the boring stuff quickly to allow you to do a lot more of the exciting stuff, which tends to be also the higher value stuff. Mm-hmm. And I definitely saw an opportunity that was being missed out on, certainly from my experience, which was, you know, if you can, if you can spend most of your time operating in that kind of core strategic creative high octane environment a you can charge more for it um but b it's much more exciting for um for the teams yeah so i think that 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 definitely was kind of one of the reasons that i wanted to go and set up don't cry wolf yeah interesting and in terms of you know all of those reasons why you why you set up don't cry wolf, how has how have all of those reasons played into the business today or have they you know are you seeing yourself fulfilling and achieving those those reasons uh yeah i mean I think, you know, we, we were only scratching the surface around our ethical purpose and what we could be doing. And we could be doing an awful lot more in, in terms of societal impact and uh, our, our role on the, on the sort of the global stage, if you like, you know, trying to address some of the, 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 the meteor issues that this planet faces. So we're just scratching the surface of that. We've only just really started that. So I think there's a lot more to be achieved there. I think we've done a really good job of operating at a very senior level with our clients. Um, so again, if you kind of, I, I, I will lay money that at any one time you could dip into a PR conversation and someone will bang on about how we need to be a sort of management consultant style um, service. Uh, I, you know, without sounding too arrogant, I feel as though we've, we've done that and we did that from the start, you know, um, almost all of our clients, we operate directly to the board in, not through PR. Um, is that and the, I think, the size of the businesses or is that a specific aim from the very beginning? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we work with, uh, well-established large organizations, you know, corporates if you like you could call them through to startups through to sort of medium-sized businesses but it i think it's more our approach like we're not afraid a we're not afraid to walk away which i think is incredibly important if you're trying to have a senior conversation um because then you're you're in a position of sort of parity rather than um in a sort of subservient kind of position which i think a lot of agencies operate in in order to get through the brief or to to kind of win the business. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of organizations, a lot of teams sort of say, Oh, don't worry. We'll work our way up to that senior level and we won't rock the boat too much in the, in the interim. Um, we decided that right from the off, we would, we'd not do that. We'd, we'd kind of put forward strategies and approaches that we think are, are the right ones to do and are probably of a more senior level. Um, and that just paid off, paid off dividend for us. So, yeah, we, I think that's, uh, that's been really, really crucial and a big part of why, you know, why we've got to where we've got to, Yeah, which isn't that far down the line. I mean, we're only a few years in that could go tits up by the end of this year. Just talking about your clients, John, um, 
so you mentioned the ethical values that you've got and um and, and obviously being a certified b corp um plays into into that and i just wondered how how that influences or, or how big an impact that has on who you work with and and what does does it impact that at all and does it have a, an influence on and who you decide that you can and can't work with it i mean by its very structure you know and you know we've we've built it's kind of built into the way we run as an organization you know we um you know, we won't work in oil and gas no. um, and sort of mining. Uh, you know, we won't work in um, gambling. Um, and we've, we've actually taken it on ourselves to say that we won't work in big pharma. Okay. Um, so, you know, that immediately kind of eradicates quite large bits of the, of the sort of the market. Um, but I guess there's a kind of underlying thread which you, it, it, we have to see through. So... You know, we we take quite um, quite a strong position in terms of who we work for and who we don't, um, and we take that. We we have a collective decision as to uh, when when we're looking at a brief. You know, is this first and foremost? Do we think that? Do we believe them? <laughs> I think that's the that's the that's the question that we ask ourselves first. You know, do we believe these guys? And actually, sometimes, you know, we we've come up and sort of said, well, no, we don't. Like, we don't believe in what they're saying or what they're doing um so i think yeah you know it has that it has that impact but on the flip side of that um you know it attracts the most gorgeous organizations to our business mm. um and we share an enormous amount of kind of shared sort of spirit and ethos with um with all of our clients really um and i think that's that's an that's a that's a big step towards forging a really strong relationship if you if you both share that kind of that ethos yeah and that value um you, you know and and you understand then what the parameters are of just being a good organization or just being a good human being mm. then um you know that really sets things up really nicely yeah amazing how many people <laughs> don't i uh, don't follow that but um yeah <laughs> beyond the considerations of being a b corp and beyond the kind of i guess aligning your values with your clients because that's clearly so important and, and like you said it, it works really well is there anything else that you kind of that's a prerequisite for you sort of working together like you mentioned that you report into directly into the board on um on all your clients is that something that you 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 have to have or um and are there any other kind of things that you're sort of like well this isn't going to work if it's if it's beyond that yeah i mean there's the, you know we've got a kind of uh, um I guess yes, we do. We do have a sort of quite a clear desire to work with a broader team than just a PR manager. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I can't actually think of a of a single client where we just operate into their PR manager. Okay. Um, within our business, so that, that either that's come across because we've kind of insisted on it, or it's just happened sort of organically. But I think we 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 do demand that there is a sort of a more senior team involved in in the work that we do um i think other parameters that we sort of set um is is total transparency on both sides so we we make it really clear in our pitches that you know everything that we do is kind of laid bare in front of the client so our project management system they have full access to so that they can see where things are and where they're not um we bring them onto our Slack channels, things such as that, so that we're sort of taking, having the same discussions with them. Um, and we kind of make a very upfront commitment that if we think something's going wrong, 
you know, we will be the first to tell them this isn't working. This right. is what we propose we should do next. And that's, that's, and we've had some great outcomes out of that with mm. LV in particular, um, you know, a client that we love and adore and that we've been working for, you know, we've worked on campaigns which have just started to go awry and because not everything is a kind of a linear trajectory or sort of this, no. this straightforward trajectory. Um, and we've been super upfront. We've got together and within a 24 hour period, we've, we've changed that campaign around. We've taken a different tact mm. and it's, and it's been successful. So we, we say that we will provide that transparency to them and we kind of demand, well, not kind of, we demand that transparency back from the client. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that is a very important relationship to have and if it gets broken we are very uh clear that if that kind of that promise if you like is is severed then the relationship can't go forward no sure it's got to be a two-way thing and it's it's a trust thing right yeah yeah totally it is i mean we don't like we are terrified genuinely terrified of being a transactional consultancy mm. like you know the the briefs that we just ignore are ones that say you know we got 15 press releases last year we want 17 this year well fuck off no no <laughs> way like not interested you know um uh, that's there, there's nothing strategic or interesting or desirable about that and, yeah. and some of these briefs have huge amounts of money attached to them as well but we just don't we just do not want to operate in that space that's a really interesting point John. i think like a lot of um you mentioned the word subservient earlier and I yeah. think a lot of PRs are, are, are brought up not wanting to piss their clients off. And so actually what the clients typically ask or they try and deliver or they don't necessarily challenge enough. When you've typically recruited staff um, that have come from other agencies, how have you ensured that they haven't bought those habits or that subservience uh, along with them? Or how do you, how do you get that out of them? So to well, they have, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, the, so we we hire ninety percent of our hires are done on um, personality values and ethics. So I, I genuinely believe that if you can find the right fit culturally, you can train the right skills afterwards. As yeah. long as they've got the right attitude, approach, ambition, um, if they believe in that total honesty, which is really really crucial, that that core value. Um, then I think everything else can be kind of taught to, or, or kind of they, they will pick it up through the work that we do. Um, if not, if it's not formally taught. Um, so yeah, we, we, we kind of try and look for that, that don't cry wolfness in everyone, which is why, by the way, we have got the most awkward misfit mix match of team members. You can, you can imagine. I mean, honestly, you would not put us in a room together. You sound like Dominic Cummings, John. <laughs> Will we do? Well, <laughs> no, there's a fucking insult. Um, but, but genuinely, like, we, we have that very, we just have that kind of very different mix of people. And, and that's because we hire based on, like, do you share the same values as us? Not do you look like us or you just all you act the same even to the point of do you you know do you deliver the same the, the work in the same way as we do like as long as people have kind of got the the objective and the values and the personality that we're looking for um they're actually fairly left left to be fairly autonomous in the in the way that they then kind of deliver the work but the thing that we very quickly identify are people that 
and this is just, you know, habit, right? People are afraid to say to a client, either A, I fucked up, or B, no, that's a stupid idea, um, or, or C, that's not in our scope. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we, they very quickly learn that that's, it's okay to do all three of those things. With, I mean, try not to fuck up, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it, but, it's, but it's okay that if, if you have, it's, in, in, it's not just okay, it's imperative that that is made clear. Yeah. yeah. Take some level of accountability. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly right. Um, yeah. It's hard to do though, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's hard to be that kind of brutally honest all the time. Um, and it's hard to say no as well in a service-based industry. Like we're, we're in recruitment, we're in a service-based industry. It's sometimes hard to, to say no to the people that are ultimately paying your bills. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to kind of instill into people, especially if you're not, conf if you don't have the confidence to do it, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's not a comfortable thing. If no one, I mean, um, there, I don't think there's anyone who genuinely enjoys conflict. Like no. I really, really, really don't think that there is anyone who does that. And, and, and I don't certainly enjoy conflict, but you don't have to have, there is a level of healthy conflict that every relationship should have. I think that's really, really critical is that if there is just this kind of nodding sort of dog syndrome of at every moment in time, someone's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go away and do that. Yep. We'll go away and do that. We'll go away and do that. Then how can you call yourself a consultancy? Cause you're not consulting at all. You're just, you're mm. just kind of, you're just saying yes. Right. You're not adding any value. You're not adding any value. You're just, mm. you're just doing work. You know, that's it. So Really, it's in the client's best interest as well for there to be a level of healthy conflict. And I do mean healthy conflict where, you know, you're, it's not just you're saying no because you're being a prick. You're saying no because, <laughs> you know, you genuinely believe there's a different way or because actually, you know, things are getting a little bit out of hand and, you know, th th something needs a bit of a reset. Like just having that confidence again, yeah, guys, we're going to have to have this discussion. And I think, well, not a thing. I mean, I know that, every relationship that we have is better for it mm. um, because it strengthens the confidence amongst both parties and it improves the level of trust and transparency mm. amongst both parties as well. I guess it encourages you to have that honesty and open openness. If you, if you know that there's, it's okay to say no and it's okay to contradict what somebody else is saying, then you're more likely to be more vocal about it and be honest about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and it makes every conversation easier. And, and, you know, if you really want to get down to the kind of the, 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 the brass tacks and all of this, you know, it makes a conversation easier when we have said, look, we need to up our retainer here. There needs to, mm. we, we, we're kind of, um, you're asking our scope has increased. We're happy for that to happen, but in, in return, we need to have that kind of retainer out. And because we've already kind of built up that trust and that kind of that level of consultancy, the client's willing to have that discussion. Yeah. But on the flip side, and most importantly, during sort of COVID-19, um, the client has come back to us and said, guys, we love, you know, a, a client has come, a couple of clients have come to us and said, guys, we love working with you. We're, you know, we're contractually obliged to you for on a three months notice period, but we're in the shit here. And that's where we have gone. Well, there's nothing to pay, you know, right. don't right. worry about it. Like there's nothing to pay. We'll pick this up when things are over. So it's a, it's a, it's a definitely works on both sides. And that's only because we built up that relationship and that trust and that honesty. And we know that they wouldn't come to us trying to sort of, 
um, do us out of or get them, mm. get, get themselves out of a contract. They're coming to us because they genuinely so need, your help. need our help mm. and they value us. So, you know, that it works both ways. Yeah, makes sense. We'll come back to coronavirus and COVID-19 and that kind of thing, because you can't have a podcast at the moment without mentioning no, it. But no. <laughs> or mentioning, do you think people will become more virtual or will agencies go more virtual now? Oh, you stole my question. Uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> it's fine. I'm really going to try hard not to use the word unprecedented, though, like yes, throughout the whole thing. That's, that's my unprecedented. one goal. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the uh, the first one. Um, I wanted to, to to speak more positively, and I, I think we've kind of covered it to a certain degree. You have done really well as an agency. Your 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 successes kind of speak for themselves in terms of award wins and, and just the team you've built in general. But what what do you attribute that success to? Is it is it the, the honest, brutal approach that you've kind of taken? Is it um is it the kind of the, the amount the type of clients that you've worked on and the work that you've been able to do for those clients? What what does it kind of come down to? Uh, so I think we've we started from building a, a, a kind of a brand and a philosophy um, for how we sh- sh- how we want to conduct business. And you could take out the name and put some something else on it. And the and the philosophy, the core or the heart of the brand would um, would still exist. And that I think gives that it takes away any questions then because you know what the core of that philosophy is. So you're not kind of always trying to sort of search for yourself and it allows you to be then more focused, more dedicated and give yourself parameters within which you, within which you work. So mm-hmm. that allowed us to be more focused and perhaps have a clearer identity early, much earlier on in the life cycle of a business than maybe other organizations that are on that sort of similar timescale as us. So I think that's kind of one thing we kind of, we got that quite, clear nailed down and and bought into early on the team you know we have been not just lucky i mean you you guys um have helped enormously to find sort of exquisite people who have have just have have bought into that approach and then you know have really committed to this new way of kind of working this new way of doing business um, so we've been lucky enough to kind of obviously have you guys help us find these people and have some of these people come to us directly, which has been enormously helpful. You know, bring that team together has been, um, has been extraordinary. And I think the other part of it, um, and she's going to hate me for saying this cause she hates all this type of shit, but bring someone like Sarah on early on, Sarah Collins early on, uh, just had brought an entirely new dynamic to 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 the team um and i think one of the things that i am going to give myself a pat on the back on pat pat, pat on my, my own back yeah <laughs> i'm going to praise myself for this um is that i was acutely aware of where my failings lie and also where kind of i really really need help and you know it, i think we would not be in this position if i didn't recruit senior people and didn't bring on Sarah as early as I did, which was mm-hmm. within the first, within the first year of business. Uh, and that's because it allowed me then to kind of keep the brand evolving and the pace of the business high and do what I love doing, which is sort of, you know, some of the creative stuff, strategy stuff, some of the sales stuff. Um, at, whilst also having Sarah who was also brought into the philosophy, bring her, talent skills level of complete clarity calm um and management skills like you know 
actually Sarah's been a lot uh, a, an MD a lot longer than I have you know <laughs> like she's been managing agencies for a lot longer than I have so she was able to bring all of that experience into this um and then I also kind of brought on board you know like a um an NED in Rachel Bell and mm-hmm. um, uh as you guys know I've kind of followed Floyd would try around like you know like a complete fanboy and try to absorb as much <laughs> off of him as possible and i've surrounded myself with people who are much more intelligent much better than this than i am to kind of put the put the business on the right path did you intuitively know what you're um what you were weaker at than than because you mentioned you brought Sarah in to, to 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 fill in those gaps i suppose D- did you have to really look quite hard to, to work out what they were or did you just no no i mean it's obvious but you know it's blindingly <laughs> obvious to everyone you know i don't i don't ha- i have a knack of sort of starting stuff starting fires over here and then and, and then going mm-hmm. off and starting something else over there and not really um seeing a lot of th- few things things through um but also, you know, just from a personality-wise, um, I have this. Fan- I think I've got a, a good grasp of being able to go in and motivate people and get people very excited, and then I will leave a room and everyone's sat like they're going, "That's brilliant." What the fuck are we supposed to do now? <laughs> um, and and, then I, and I think it's done, right? I think my job's finished. Perfect. So, <laughs> leave them to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was great. I've given a proper br- briefing. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not just. Uh, uh, and I think this is this is this needs to be made clear. Like it's not just sort of seeing where Sarah sort of was able to kind of um, bring uh, skills that I didn't have, but also um, like bring a whole wealth of other skills as well mm-hmm. to this, which I didn't even realise existed. And I think that's 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 super important that um, you kind of for any point anyone trying to embark on this sort of journey to surround yourself by smart um fascinating driven people who share your same philosophy i think that's important um really helps to kind of bring out the best in the business i remember uh when you know the 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 time when you you were hiring sarah and i was thinking wow that's that's a brave move i mean we we've hired obviously for a lot of pr businesses and startups and you know, very early on, their hires aren't MDs, you know, uh, that's really what the founders typically, that's the role that they would fulfill. So when you went through that hire, I thought that's, that's an interesting move. That's a smart move. And, uh, you know, I, I admire that move, actually, over time, like you say, but I think what it does take is someone who's very self-aware, you know, emotionally intelligent. And I think, you know, what you said, there's some really good advice generally for, for a lot of people that, that, that go on to start a business. Um, but yeah, I could see how you would start a fire here, then go on to start a fire there. And, and if you didn't have a Sarah there, maybe you'd have a bushfire by now. But uh... oh, yeah, no, I mean, it would just, well, I wouldn't, I don't think, honestly, I don't think we'd have um, any level of the record. Like we'd, we'd be a year behind at the very least, like, um, because we, we just wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the momentum behind the brand. We wouldn't have had the momentum behind the actual execution of the work. Um, so I think it's just, uh, it was, it was, it was a critical decision, yeah. crucial decision. Yeah. Um, obviously it, it, it has all gone really well. It, it can't all be plain sailing though. I'm assuming no. um, there's, there's obviously going to have been challenges along the way. Um, can you tell us about any of your major challenges that you've had and, and what you've perhaps learned from them um, for future? For yeah. Future yeah. Times? I mean, like guys, we've, you know, we've, we've had loads. I mean, <laughs> I think, um, 
you know, we've had everything from we've picked the wrong clients, like really, like we've had clients that we just shouldn't have worked with and we did. Not from an ethical perspective, like we've been pretty hot on that, but more uh, they just weren't the, weren't the right fit. Right. Um, you know, we've had clients that not have kind of gone and got a bunch of work off of us. We've not done the due diligence enough and then they've pissed off without paying. Mm. Um, we've had team members who've kind of sort of, we thought were going to go one way and, and, you know, unfortunately didn't. Um, it's, it, I mean, we've had the same, same, same struggles as, as, as a lot of organizations. I think we've, we've kind of, we've weathered them fairly well. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a, there's a challenge, especially, especially when you're this small and you're this kind of, uh, lean as well. Everything, every win is tremendously important, but so is every loss. So, yeah. you know, that we don't have a huge margin of error within the business. Um, like, you know, we, we can, we can take one or two blows before things start getting quite nervous. Um, so, you know, part of our objective right now is not actually to grow exponentially and to reach this fucking stupid magical figure of like, Oh, when you get to 30 people, that's when you, that's when, you know, I, I always remember this, right. When I first started to sort of floating the idea of starting a business, like the first thing you hear is, oh, well, you know, when you, after you get your past your first year, that's a real milestone. And then it was, well, after you get to sort of, uh, uh, five people, that's a real milestone. Then it was 10 people. Then it was, um, a million quid. And, and now it's kind of this going totally sort of into this space of, oh, well, you've got to get to 30 people. Cause that's when people want to really want to buy you as a business. Actually right now, the main, my main concern is bringing, foundation into the business that and by that i mean we could we can see uh three to six months ahead of us um or we have enough in the coffers that we don't have to earn anything for three to four months and we could still manage to pay all of the running expenses that for me honestly would would be would be an absolute dream and I think that, yeah, that honest, and, and, and because as I said, you know, we've gone through the same failings as everyone else it's, and, and in genuinely, I can't stress this enough. Every small business is always on the brink of going bust always. Mm. Right. Unless you've got huge capital behind you, which I had none. Um, every small business is always kind of in that operating in that kind of, that zone of like, actually, we can only take a couple of hits before things start really, you know, hurting. Things mm. start start going south. So, you know, the team have had have been told this. We're not here to do sort of exponential six x, ten x growth each year on year. No, 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 not at all. First and foremost, we grew rapidly over the last twelve to twenty four months. Now we need to consolidate what we've built. Now it's all about get the foundations in place, make sure, strength, sorry, strengthen those foundations. Make sure that you are a strong, stable organization. Yeah. Do you think that's where potentially other businesses do go wrong then? They try and sort of grow for, for vanity's sake and, and too quickly almost um, yeah, and don't I get do. that sort of foundation level right. Yeah, I do. And, and for some reason, PR's got this b- bizarre culture of uh, organizations being set up so that they can be bought by Omnicom or bought by <laughs> WPP, you know, and, and, and like, I, I just, 
I don't know how you could go into starting something thinking about how you're going to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, yeah. I guess it is a vanity thing to a certain degree. There's a, an external kind of perception that, that goes with that. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's, that you sort of get these people who are sort of constantly saying to you, well, you know, you've got to just keep growing, just keep growing make sure that you're sort of, you know, how, how much, how much growth do you want to see next year? None, zero. I just want to make sure consolidate. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, it's some defenses up, makes sense. I've, you know, I've built this house. Now I want to put gardens around it and, you know, get a patio outside and <laughs> maybe a pond. Yeah. Maybe a pond, yeah. maybe some fucking CCTV and some great big gates. <laughs> Something that makes me feel a little bit more <laughs> secure. <laughs> a guard dog get a guard yeah. dog <laughs> yeah, but do you see what i mean like that, yeah. that that i think is much more important to me right now than creating like this continuously exponentially growing organization mm. yeah um on that note i mentioned that i would circle back around to covid19 and uh and and, and talk about that how is that how has this situation that we're all in how has that changed your plans or has it changed your plans at all or, or are they do they remain sort of pretty much the same or have you had to kind of adjust the goalpost slightly and, and sort of think differently? oh i mean definitely like anyone who says that they've had to reforecast or retarget or whatever it might be um is talking bollocks yeah we that <laughs> we've we've um we've definitely had to reforecast our entire year um, luckily, we we'd already communicated to the team that we weren't looking for, you know, huge growth. We were looking for stability and strength mm. this year. I think that stability and strength has become even more important now, and um, it's really focused the attention on making sure that we have something in place that is um, not impenetrable. Because I don't think you can create a business that's impenetrable. Otherwise, you're not you're not taking the necessary risks. But is uh, strong to weather as big a storm as, as as you can kind of think of and and thankfully i think for any business leader right now you know covid19 is the biggest storm that people could perhaps imagine short of like climate collapse um so i think there's a sort of a huge learning curve that we've all gone on we've understood what's deeply important to us as a business even more even mm -hmm. being a kind of very much of a purpose driven sort of philosophical organization in a sense, you know, we've, we, we, it's become even more apparent what's really, what's really important to us and also what's not, you know, what's not important to us. Um, yeah. you know, and an office in Covent Garden is not important to us. No. <laughs> I, I think that comes back to what you said before though, about the, the kind of the, the growing for the sake of growing. If you, if you go down that route, then that's going to be dangerous when, when the, the shit hits the fan really is it's that's going to be tricky to to deal with if you yeah. haven't got those foundations right a hundred percent and i think um i don't know we have we you know we have we've got this sort of weird knack of uh turning something that sh that is just quite sort of reasonable if you like into into a story in in um uh in, in the pr world and you know everyone's now barking on about furloughing mm. um and, you know, is it a mark of this or is it a mark of that? It's not a mark of anything, right? I mean, it's, it, it is there to help weather a, a, a completely peculiar situation um, and to kind of help organizations essentially not sort of, well, to help people keep their roles, right? Keep their roles when business has just been taken away overnight. 
Um, now, we've not furloughed anyone. That's not because we're terrified of doing that at all. But we're not furloughed anyone because we've had enough work there to keep people on. And we've been super lucky in that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, again, what it, what it brings a sharp focus onto is that we could have massively overextended our team this year. Right? Off the back of a great year last year, award-winning, blah, blah, blah. We could have gone, actually, do you know what? We're going to invest a lot of cash into bringing, you know, three or four people on in the hope that we will get um, the right amount of business to cover it. And we would have been fucked mm. now. Like, it would have, we'd have been overexposed and it would have, we'd have had to have made some tough decisions that I don't even think furloughing would have helped with. You know, thankfully, we didn't do that. We kind of took the decision to strengthen what we had built we, uh, we kind of put the right team in place that was at the right kind of capacity levels and that's helped us weather this. Um, that's not to say, by the way, that tomorrow two clients could pull the rug out from under our feet and we'd have to make use of whatever resources we could, furloughing included. Mm. But it's kind of, it's given us confirmation that the philosophy that we had, at this, which is a rule around sort of sustainable growth, not massively overextending, but instead taking kind of risks in other areas like, you know, how we set up our policies and practices and our approach to how we nurture employees, things like that. That all, that, that, those are all risks that we take, but not necessarily overextending ourselves in this pursuit for inane growth. Yeah. yeah. You were quoted as well in, uh, I think, PR week, in a PR week article talking about the furlough scheme. And yeah. One of the things that I remember you, I read you said was, you know, it, now's not time to be looking to make a quick buck from this scheme. Um, you know, because ultimately there are probably companies out there that are furloughing people and giving what they think isn't enough work to one or two people to do, but inevitably those people have probably then got too much work and then it's going to end up in a, in, a, in some level of a burnout. And I think yeah. you're, you're definitely not going down that route with your own business, obviously by what you've just said. And I think that that's, that's hugely important because you're not, you're not just, you're looking out for their well-being and their, their personal, their, their mental health as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that sounds beautifully altruistic, but also, like, it's, you know, it makes good business sense, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if I've, if I've got a burnt-out team, um, they're not going to have the same levels of commitment mm. to the business or to the work and what have you. They're going to just be sort of, like, trying to sort of tread water. Um, and I don't think that's, you know, that's not a good way to manage business. But also, equally, the clients will get pissy because we'll be doing relatively crap work if that was the case. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that the team aren't busy. The team are absolutely kind of at the, their kind of peak, but you know, I'm, they're, they're all seem sort of fairly comfortable with that. Right. But you know, we've, we've, we've managed that to a point where, you know, it's the right level of like income versus sort of staff, if you like. Mm. Um, and, 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 and if that changes, we would, we'd have to flex. Yeah, and everyone's aware. Of it. But what what we didn't want to do was, yeah, I mean, privately, you and I had this chat, row, which was like about you know when I was when I was talking about it from Don't Cry Wolf's perspective, you know, I just I, like I just don't have this. I have this worry that there are organisations who have used this to make money. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is a negative way of making money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
definitely. I think, um, you know, the fact that you've got enough work for your your team that you haven't had to furlough them, I think also maybe comes down to the spread of your client mix. I think one of the things we've talked about in the past is niche, generalist. Um, you know, what, what's your view on that? And what's the sort of spread of your, your client base? Um, I've always said we don't, we're not a specialist agency. Yeah. But we are... A, we, we do a particular type of work. I guess that's a, if, if that makes sense. So I think you can spot and what I would hope you could, you could spot a don't cry wolf campaign, creative piece of work, whatever it might be, you know, and that's right down to even our writing style and kind of the, uh, the branding work that we do as well. It, it, there's a distinct style that we, that we have, which I'm very comfortable with and which we're all very comfortable with, you know, it's this, kind of slightly agitator kind of activist style of creative and campaigning and branding work that we do. Um, and that means that we'll work in any industry. Like I, we are industry agnostic, mm. but the clients that we work with have to be bought into that style, I guess. Yeah. Because we, you know, there's, there's, I guess there's, there's no other, we don't know any other way to deliver the work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we, we, we've got a very clear style to how we work with clients, very clear style to our output and our approach. And I think that is what essentially gets bought. Um, not us saying, well, we only work in, um, consumer goods or we only work in B2B tech, by the way, it doesn't work for all clients as well. Mm. You know, they actually, you know, we've had a couple of clients who've bought our services very quickly gone. Mm, this isn't for us. And that's fine actually. Because we'd much again, that's part of that transparency piece. We'd much rather sit there and go, "Hey, do you know what? It's not going to be good for us either. It's not good for you. You don't like the way that we're kind of, that we write, that we approach things, or that we do the, the creative work. That's absolutely fine." Yeah, better to know sooner rather than later. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, okay, bringing it back to well, actually, back to the future um, <laughs> more than nice. anything else. Yeah, look how I did. You mentioned that sort of, I guess, medium, medium term, you want to do the foundations, build the foundations, make sure that that's right. What, what does success look like long term? Like, is there anything that you're particularly looking to, to tick off or any awards that you're really after? Or what does it, what's the goal? What's the long term? So we're definitely, um, uh, we're not, we've not built this business just to win accolades. Right. No. Um, we think, and, 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 and I think that's, seen in the fact that we're quite choosy about which awards we do actually go for like um uh, also that's to do with cost as well because it costs a fucking fortune to interview <laughs> uh so I don't, I don't think it's necessarily sort of you know we're not after hoovering up accolades i think we would be we would all be very very delighted if um we had in some way shape or form we're able to kind of showcase the positive, a, a positive step change in um, it, that we've had in the society and a positive step change that we've kind of influenced within the industry. Um, whether that is improving things like uh, areas like diversity, whether that's having, um, becoming sort of net carbon neutral is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a near-term goal, becoming net carbon positive if you like or negative mm. depending on how the terminology is um i think it's a longer term goal um so i think you know they, those those are things that i'd love you know personally um i'd love to have more 
I'd love to have some of the team kind of spin off their own sort of different elements of their own kind of business philosophy with Don't Cry Wolf's blessing and backing. I'd love that to happen. I'd love their, you know, I'd love their for, for this to kind of become a a hub for for people looking who who, who joined us. They've learned a lot. They've helped our business grow, um, and then they've gone off and they've sort of taken a bit of this philosophy and started their own approach. I think that would be tremendously um, rewarding. Uh, other than that, I mean, Christ, I said this right at the start, you know, if we have a fantastic time of this, we do some good things, society benefits, the planet benefits. And then in, you know, 15 years time, we hold a funeral for don't cry, cry wolf and we bury it. Fine. Great. What a ride. <laughs> it's all about enjoying the journey, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like we're, you know, we're setting out to do something different. Yeah. And to try and sort of re-engineer the way we do business. Um, and if we're, if we can do that and we do it well, um, and that, and it reaches its end point. So yeah, so, so be it. It's a great philosophy to have. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Ruben Sinclair want to make an offer. <laughs> by, the, by the firm. I'll be able to afford you. <laughs> yeah. Can well, franchise. Know, <laughs> we'll talk later, John. We'll talk yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you had to sum your business up, um, with either three words, a motto or a quote, whether it's your own quote or, or a famous quote, what would it be? Oh, fuck. Uh, hmm. Stumped. Totally stumped. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I guess it's probably going to come down to, uh, there is a quote. In, in summary, and this isn't the right quote, but I will find it for you and I'll send it and maybe you can read it out one day, I don't know. Um, but in summary, you know, the future wasn't created by conformists. It was created by misfits, weirdos, dreamers, agitators um, and, and risk takers. And I think that's what we are. Love it. Yeah, I do. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cheers, John. Look, thanks so Thank much you. for doing this today. It's been, it's been bloody brilliant getting to know <laughs> you better uh, and, and DCW. Look, I think, I think you're a hugely inspiring leader from what I've heard today. Uh, he's created a, a massively exciting business in, in Don't Cry Wolf. Um, thank you so much for, for being part of this. Um, thanks. Remember, hashtag RSGTK. RSGTK. Rips. Get it on there. It'll be trending. It. It'll be trending. Hashtag it. Trend it. Get it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you later. Love you.